This is the Geekin' Out Loud podcast where we have interesting conversations about the latest news in movies, comics, and all things geek. With your hosts, Terrell Peterson, Dave Maresca, Justin Williams, and Heather Wilde. Oh, man. The Avengers are all here. <laughs> the original four. Just, just wow. in virtual meeting. Yeah. Sorry, I got to go talk about comic books now, guys. I got to run. Out loud. It was funny. I'm really excited doing this with you guys because think about it. Look at the, the demographic makeup of the four of us here. Yeah. We are not the normal comic book <laughs> people. There is no show out there that is like, Hey, you've got this girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, Let's start there. <laughs> and I mean, if, if we were to walk into Comic Con together, people would be like, So, who are you guys dressed up as? <laughs> Our new show that's going to be premiering on Netflix and it'll probably only get one season. Yeah, <laughs> the politically we're... correct Fantastic Four. <laughs> yes, we are the correct Fantastic Four, but Marvel can never make a good Fantastic Four. I don't know why. I know why. Because <laughs> it's not up to them. You yeah. know what I mean? And when it is, when it finally will be back in their hands, then we'll get something good. I yeah. genuinely believe that. Well, it's going to suck, but I like Chris Evans' Human Torch better than Michael B. Jordan's. Like, <laughs> Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like them both. I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, the Fantastic Four movie from what was it, 05, and then the sequel on 07, it got a lot of things right, but yeah. it got most things wrong. <laughs> and so it's really easy to overlook how dope Chris Evans was in that role yeah. and Michael Chiklis as the thing. That Chiklis, was I was going to say, that was probably one of his only really successful crossovers into film. I don't even know if there has been another one that's been as notable yeah. since. I know he's done some movies here and there, but nothing has really at least stuck in the, the all right, that was acceptable. You know, I know he did that one where he's a vampire hunter with Lucy Liu. He's one of those retired alcoholic Yikes. cops, and Lucy Liu is a half-vampire vampire hunter, and he helps her. I don't even remember the name of it. That's how awesome I, that was. <laughs> I haven't heard of I've this. It, but no. I don't even feel like doing it. I know it exists, though. Unless the Mandela effect has erased it from existence, it is out there. No. So, when IMDb Michael Chiklis and email us in, Terrell could tell you where to email to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like a movie I can't wait to never watch. It was oh, pretty yeah. forgettable. It was in the Ballistic X versus Sever era. <laughs> the whole bunch that she's like, oh, I'm going to pretend I wasn't in those. That's why I did Charlie's Angels to erase all that from existence. Right. <laughs> holy cow yeah thank god for elementary because she rocks in that show mm. and i didn't like it at first as far as sherlock holmes adaptations there's always one in every handful of years but when bbc sherlock with benedict cumberpatch and then the elementary show came yeah. out with johnny lee miller and lucy Liu, I, I i didn't expect it to be good and it was phenomenal lucy Liu murders that role yeah. And they it, also it, like Johnny Lee Miller too, so I think well, it was well, kind of a nice pairing. It I mean, was Johnny Lee Miller. He's had me since Hackers. Exactly. Right. I think he's had everybody who likes him since Hackers. <laughs> also, though, it was sort of like he had two really interesting demographics crossover in the Johnny Lee Miller fan club. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Architecture is going to change everything. It's got a twenty-eight. <laughs> Yes, modem. <laughs> I don't know, man. I like Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. You know, I... those are great, but those they're are. but they're completely different. I mean, you might as well be like, oh, I liked Holmes and Watson too. I mean, they're <laughs> just a good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. It, they're all just like super super different, and I appreciate that they're not trying to be like one another. It doesn't feel like they're in competition with each other. No. No, but Benedict Cumberbatch, it's kind of like Doctor Who. You, you <laughs> pick your Doctor Who nowadays, and, right. and then you're like, I am a tenant. Oh, no, but I'm a smith. And then you just argue to death. Either. You can't be more right. than one. You can't right. be a, a generalist. I kind of like the doctor as a concept, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Find this character. Hey, anybody could play this guy any season. We got a whole new star in, and the yeah. fan base comes with, and then it's a new fan base for that. I kind of get what they were doing. I just don't feel like going all the way back to the '60s to catch up because I'm I'm a completionist. I thought about that. 
I, I but was then you run about... into the people that are like Eccleston fans, and then you're like, but everybody hates you. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. I really did. I'm a I fan thought, of it. I thought the Ninth Doctor was good um, because he was my introduction into Doctor Who, you know? So him and Rose Tyler are my it couple. I oh. haven't even caught up the 13th Doctor. I haven't seen Jodie Whittaker yet, but I just thought that Eccleston did such a great job and it kind of makes up for that disaster in Thor 2 where he was the main villain. That was just... Oh, I don't, you, thank God you couldn't even recognize him, right? It was sort of one of those blessings in disguise. Yeah. Just yeah. pretend it wasn't even you, Literally man. in disguise, yeah. He, he, <laughs> that was a terrible role for him. It was awful. Anyone would have done it. It's interesting that Thor 2 comes up while we're talking about Fantastic Four because these movies also suffer from the fact that Hollywood comic book movies, when it doesn't have its footing, no one really knows. Literally everything's a crapshoot. We could have accidentally liked Fantastic Four for all we knew. You know what I mean? We were even talking about parts of it that we do like at this point. But it was because at that time, you know, I don't think anybody took him seriously. Chris Evans is really trying, and I think that's why his mm. performance stands out. You know, we're kind of like, oh, yeah, the guy did have to imagine himself on fire, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or what we had now where they can kind of at least see, hey, this is the mock-up of what the final graphics are going to be like. But it's generally going to be like that. And there's going to be a bunch of guys in green suits dancing around you. They're going to make this stuff float. Don't worry about a thing. You just pretend you're a superhero. And I don't get it. He went out well, and did it. Have you seen the trailer of how they're shooting The Mandalorian? And how they actually are doing LED projection sets mm -hmm. on everything. Yeah, there are a couple other friends about this on another show the other day, and how they're also using the Unreal video game engine to kind mm -hmm. of move everything up. Which is, thank God now we can all say gaming was worth something, everybody. Right? <laughs> yeah. The movies. Yeah. Movie, but is the video games now? Yeah, so yeah. it's making it a lot easier for the actors because they don't have to pretend. So the new Matrix that they're creating, right. when they're doing all those bullet time scenes, they're not going to have to do them in green screens anymore mm -hmm. and they'll be able to act. And right. it's going to be a completely different kind of thing. But anyway. Yeah. It's going to be a good experience for the moviegoer and for the actor. It's going to be brand new for them. you know. And I'm honestly, speaking of which, very, very shocked that we're getting a fourth one. I'm still shocked that The Matrix is even a trilogy. It yeah. would have been fine without number two and three. Especially when you go back and rewatch, you're kind of you're right where they should have stopped with this. Right. Right yeah. there. We, don't, we didn't need an extended rave scene. Yeah. No. Slash sex scene. <laughs> slash, slash gross close my eyes scene. But yeah. we did get the Animatrix. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, yeah. but that's one of my favorite anime anthologies of all time. Like, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed the Animatrix. Some parts stronger than others, you know. Some chapters oh, were sure. much stronger than others, but even from from continuing the story of that extended universe, I was I remember being genuinely as excited about the Matrix universe when it was in process right. as everybody has been for the last ten years for the Marvel universe. You know, I was really yeah. like they're doing some really interesting stuff with this. I was also studying a lot of philosophy in college, so it was sort of like wow, like literally the stuff we yeah. just talked about using up on the screen all that shit they said you'll never use in life these guys found a way to use it in life so mm -hmm. maybe we all can kind of take a cue from that but i'm excited to see it coming back but i i don't know two and three were so soul crushing if you were really bought in if you invested in the characters the way three ends you're just like wow you guys really took us for a ride on that and i kind of want my money back but i can't <laughs> so I'm, I... I'm interested to see what they do I'm inter I I am too, and because they kind of have to take it in, in a totally different direction than two and three, and and even though I hated the ending, I did really like three, because, <laughs> you know, the Wachowskis are are huge anime fans. You watch any of their movies and you see the influence, and all I, I watch Matrix Revelations, and all I see half the time is Gundam, and the second is Dragon Ball Z. That you know, that's it. Yeah. And then By the film the end, ends, and I'm Dragon like, <laughs> that's it. First there's Gundams in the real world, and then there's Dragon Ball Z between, you know, Neo and Smith just flying through the air. And I mean, it's absolutely insane. But then, like you said, the ending happens. Mm. And it's just, I just get torn apart because I want to like it. And I just, I, I can't down. accept that ending, you know? Huge letdown. Yeah. 
And there was a lot of stuff they didn't even explore in the films that they explore in the video game as well. You know, so you have you have homework you need to do to really <laughs> right. ingest the whole series, and that's asking a lot. At least at the time, it was asking a lot of the, the time. That's exactly well, were... what Star Wars does. You know, yeah. sure. Oh, buy it, you know, it's like buying DLC for the franchise. Oh, you have an incomplete piece. We'll buy that book, <laughs> or buy that video game. You know, and. You'll figure out the mystery behind the mystery behind the Knights of Ren or you know, <laughs> Did you think Jada Pinkett Smith should have had more screen time? Well, she has an entire hour's <laughs> worth of exclusive content in the video game should you choose to play as her character. Exactly. And that's also where they explain why the Oracle looks different in the third one from the second one. And, you know, unfortunately, what are you going to do? Actors pass away. There's the reality. Real life seeps in every once in a while with these projects, but you know, there was just a lot of stuff that the third one felt very disconnected and disappointing. The oh, pacing of it was very awkward. It was very like the where it started and then where it winds up. You're kind of like, ugh, I kind of wish we just left it at the second one at this point. <laughs> you know, because I like some of the stuff. The second, the, the twins, the ghost twins did nothing with them, but they were pretty cool. Visually, they were cool. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of all the, the franchise was really about it. I mean, to this day, at least until maybe Matrix 4 comes out, but it feels like since 1999, it's been the standard for mm. computer-generated imagery in Hollywood. And, I mean, movies still parody, you know, yeah. all, all the stuff and the bullet time. And the it's just too, yeah. like the people moving in ways that they shouldn't physically be able to move. Did we talk about exit wounds ever? How you even have Steven Seagal doing these weird bends that when you watch the behind the scenes, they had the same wire team from the Matrix so yeah. that he could bend over and like avoid. And you're just like, really? I mean, I guess, you know, if it works, it works. I was just going to go in a dissertation about how exit wounds is probably the second worst movie of all time. <laughs> next to <laughs> Independence Day 2. Independence Day 2 has more merit. <laughs> oh. uh, have you heard the theory that connects the John Wick universe to the Matrix universe? That John Wick is like a version of the Matrix, and that's why he's super unstoppable. He's kind of like a Neo who doesn't know he's Neo. I have not heard that. I've heard of it, <laughs> but I've seen a link to it, but I never clicked on it. It's but... worth it. It's worth checking out, I would say. If you want to, if you like to just kind of go out on and let let someone stretch for a while and try to prove something that you're like, I doubt that's what they're doing, but I like what you, I like where your head's at. I gotta ask all of y'all, how do y'all feel about the boys? Y'all personal opinion. <laughs> we talked about what we were gonna talk about this episode. Uh, we haven't talked about that at all yet, so we should probably steer <laughs> in that direction at some point. Yeah. I watched it so i'm the one who's gonna let everybody explain how cool it is i've seen the trailers though so i have an idea of what it is the boys to me and from what i've seen i i don't recall every part of it it's not as fresh in my head as as doom patrol or watchmen but i think the boys is is up there it's absolutely insane just how adult oriented it is and i i didn't read the comic so i don't know if the comic if it says faithful to the source material in those ways but that series just takes a sharp left turn at every opportunity i love the plot i, I love the idea of corporate owned superheroes kind of like the movie mystery men from 1998 with ben stiller it kind of borrows from that idea where you have this one guy who has all this sponsorship and he's a hero and uh he's kind of hard to get behind because he's kind of a douchebag and and that there's a squad kind of regulating. The whole concept is just really, really cool. I, I really like the boys. I haven't seen any of season two, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Billy and the boys do. And the really, lady. And the what's her there's name? Don't call her the, the female or some some name like I thought that. Oh, the lady. The lady. I I don't remember. It's like well, that's such a ridiculous name. <laughs> the, yeah. the lady. <laughs> It's like Kratos uh, when he's talking about his son, boy. Boy, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the, the 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 amount of respect that we have for you, boy. It's like, man, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's hard. So how do you feel about it, Heather? Yeah. So I think the boys is a really uh, smart take on the new kind of comic book. You've, you've got these top people, the the A team, who are the seven. And each of them has a kind of dubious superpower. They're not really that great. I mean, there's one of them that is really an uber 
Superman type guy, but he's very egocentric. And then the rest of them are sort of like Wonder Woman and sort of like Aquaman, and they have their own different kind of powers. But then you've got somebody like Starlight who mm. just like glows at people. <laughs> right. The Jubilee of the group, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, but she's cute and pretty and young and naive. And, and naive, yeah. 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 The, but the real point of this is they're run by a PR company. They exist solely to sell things like Star Wars toys because they are the the cutest, the smartest, the prettiest. Well, actually, not even the smartest. In some cases, they're pretty dumb, like the the Aquaman guy. He's there because he's cute, and mm. girls like him with his shirt off. So they can sell more dolls that way. They can sell more sponsorships that way. So it's really a take on, we know that we can keep people in line if they're looking at you, and they won't pay attention to what the government's actually trying to do. And then on the other side, you've got the boys who are trying to expose what's really going on with the world. It's really smart. It's, it's trying to show, here's what our world looks like. You've, mm, got, right. you, you've got people worshiping at the font of celebrity, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. everybody's looking over here, but we're trying to show you that this, this is kind of screwed up, and you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> you mm, should be actually mm-hmm. paying attention to the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. When I first saw it, it was out of the ordinary for me because usually you'd be seeing people respect superheroes, and then you see Billy Butcher who just says F superheroes. And like, I don't know, like it's out of the norm. People usually praise them and Billy. But and then there's Huey, who's a big fan. I swear that'd be me if I was in that universe, just being praising the heroes until yeah. something bad obviously happens to me, like my girlfriend or something. Right. First, like I heard, season two's coming soon, like in September to let's see, September to four for third, one of them, and it's gonna come out weekly. But well, let me ask you guys this: What compelled you to watch it during a time where, like, it seems every streaming service has some sort of a superhero something going on, and it's the age where you know we didn't used to have comic book movies the way we do now. And now they've pretty much taken over to the box office, and now they're sort of bleeding onto the small screen, too. Do you feel like there's a way? Because it sounds like an awesome show, and one of the things mm. that kept me away is is a little bit of the sort of superhero fatigue that I'm starting right. to feel, which right. is ironic because I'm, I'm super stoked for all the Snyder stuff that we've been talking about in previous episodes. But mm. it's almost like I just about have enough room for that because I already saw the movies. When I see commercials for a new show and it's like the boys, and it's like, oh, look, characters who look kind of like superheroes I'm familiar with. And I remember the last time they did this to me, was the watchman and i'm just kind of like i don't know if i have enough mental space for this you know so So how do you guys combat that yeah i can tell you what got me to choose it when netflix came out with daredevil i was all in and then they had Mm. jessica jones and iron fist and uh the punisher and i was like nope not gonna do it i know jessica jones is supposed to be awesome but i'm like no there's just too much i love daredevil daredevil's amazing Mm -hmm. but the other one it was too much of an expansion and i just didn't care enough but umbrella academy freaking love it Mm -hmm. because it's different there's nothing else like it and it's not an expansion on a show that i already am watching Mm -hmm. and so the boys and watchmen are like nothing else that are on tv Mm -hmm. and If I'm going to add something into, I don't watch very much TV. I don't watch very many movies. I I watch probably about at most 15 hours of TV a week. And, and like, if I'm going to add something into that, it it means I'm going to take something else away. And it needs to be something exceptional. Has to Um, earn the slot. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to replace something with something that's like something I'm already watching. It has to be something different. And The Boys is something different. It's it's good. Yeah. Well, you, Justin? One of the main things for me as an avid television watcher and cinephile and all this stuff is like, and comic book, you know, being raised on comic books and stuff, a huge thing for me was just once I got into digital streaming, you know, the Hulu and Mm-hmm. and the Amazon Prime and the now HBO Max and the Netflix and all that stuff, it was like I saw exclusivity, right? I saw 
Heather, you mentioned Daredevil and the Netflix Marvel stuff, and there's like five or six of those shows, but they're exclusive to Netflix. Umbrella Academy is exclusive to Netflix. Mm -hmm. You know, Hulu had Runaways, which was which was also a part of the MCU, and it was a fantastic comic book and a pretty fantastic adaptation, but it was only on Hulu, and, and The Boys, for instance, is only on, on Amazon Prime, and, and since I have all these shows, that's kind of the thing that keeps these different streaming services in competition for me. It's like, if they want to battle for my attention, who's going to have the most original content? Who's going to have the most exciting content? I don't want to sit there and veg out and be brain dead. I want to be intrigued by the characters, intrigued by the story, even though it's just, it comes off as just another superhero story. So the boys, I mean, I had to give it a, a, a look. I had no expectation. I didn't know what to expect. And the further and further I got into it, I was like, okay, this is unlike something I've, I've never seen before. And it does take that traditional route, you know, because there's a lot of comic book adaptations of stuff out there. You know, The Walking Dead, for instance, you mm -hmm. know, is based off a comic book, you know, even though it's not superhero. And so when you watch something like, um, I don't know, like Umbrella Academy, it doesn't feel like a superhero series. When you watch this, it doesn't feel like a superhero series. You know, the thing that hooked me on Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, which I'm actually rewatching right now, season one, because I think it's fantastic, and all that stuff and, 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 and kept me engaged is three things. Incredible fight scenes, mm. extraordinary cinematography, and beautiful dialogue. And Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage excel at all three of those things. Iron Fist, nah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Season two picks up the pace a little bit, right? But all those things engaged me. The boys, what brought me into to episode two and then three and then four and then five was all those things plus a fantastic sense of humor that none of these other shows have. Mm. Um, a dark sense of humor that, like, Watchmen has its own sense of humor and it's dark, but it's not as dark as the boys, in my opinion. Like, this is... It's a different kind of dark. It's mm. a different kind of dark, right? Like, a different shade. It's just the next level for a next level kind of comic book. It's it's nice to live in a time where we're getting comic book adaptations of things like this, mm. you know, instead of just the next Captain America. This and, is really, yeah. really good stuff. And then you see something like Doom Patrol, which is just silly. And yeah. you're like, I love having something silly again. Yeah, it's great. And I do have HBO Max. I traded in Hulu for HBO Max. And so HBO Max has Watchmen and Doom Patrol, which I'm watching right now. And yeah, it's it's just absolutely phenomenal that that we can have these like TVMA rated, R rated like TV shows, you know, where there's enough time for the producers and the directors and the actors and the scriptwriters and everyone to to really go in depth into each character, the heroes and the villains and the boys and the seven and Billy and Huey and Homelander and Starlight. Like we get to see everything that's happening. You can't do that in a two hour movie or in an hour and a half movie. So I think Daredevil season one came out on Netflix in 2015. And that kind of started something, not just for Marvel, not just the Defenders, but for everything else too. Yep. I kind of feel like we owe this adaptation, this beautiful adaptation of the boys to Daredevil mm. because it inadvertently started this, I don't wanna say trend, maybe pseudo trend of uh. dark material being brought to streaming services. I would say that the boys owes a lot more to Deadpool than to Daredevil. <laughs> in terms of like tone and in terms of <laughs> Yeah, I mean the fact definitely. that they proved that that p there is an audience for an R-rated like funny smart script in the mm. comic book genre because like Daredevil has always been a difficult adaptation on its own, but it's not like in the boys is definitely graphic and and funny and it's i mean it's, it's definitely like the kind of thing that that deadpool is in and logan i mean logan yeah. is another one that couldn't have been done without deadpool leading the way for sure uh, i will i will ask this because deadpool did start something especially for 
the big screen, captivating an audience of teens and preteens. So I, I was maybe 10 when the first X-Men movie came out in the year 2000, mm-hmm. right? But by the time Logan and Deadpool came out in 2016 and 17, respectively, I was of age to go see R-rated movies on my own. <laughs> But in 1998 was when the first Blade movie came out. I was going to say Blade and, has to get mentioned in here somewhere. <laughs> and I feel like Blade kind of started the in, inadvertently the because it really wasn't marketed as a Marvel Comics movie. Right. Mm-hmm. But until like Blade 2 and Blade 3, of course. But it kind of did start like this. I guess kind of it's OK to have an R rated film about superheroes. Right. You know, it's okay and so, for grown-ups to like a superhero movie, right? Because <laughs> like, the, like you said, absolutely. the 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 group that aged with the with the industry. You know what I mean? It's like now that the people who are reading the comic books are old enough to buy the movie tickets, we need to satisfy that movie-going audience as well. You know, so with the audience was ready to accept it at the same time as it was happening. And interestingly, that that's the same audience that was out to make Sonic the Hedgehog movie a huge hit this summer. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wasn't the kids out there being like, woo, Sonic! So true. And you know what? Just on a little tangent, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Throw that out there. I love it. Seen it yet. Yeah, I still avoid the video game adaptation movies ever since the Resident Evil franchise took, oh. uh, <laughs> took the turns it took. I'm like, alright, well, that was fun. Oh, this is like the evil. best. This is like the best video game adaption movie I think Sonic was. That's I would agree. I've heard. I would I've agree. heard that it is. It takes some of its ideas from the Sonic Adventure video game from the Dreamcast, which gets really old and outdated. You know, Sonic mm-hmm. being in the real world with the buildings and human beings and stuff like that. It's it's kind of old after twenty years or so, but as far as having a particular kind of reference for the source material. Jim Carrey, which is super weird casting because he visually <laughs> looks nothing like Dr. Robotnik, but he is that movie. He <laughs> is just pure, eclectic, insane 1990s Jim Carrey, like at his oh, wow. best. And if wow. you want a superhero movie or a, or a comic book movie to do well, just throw James Marsden in it and it'll do <laughs> well, right? <laughs> except X3. Um, I say, yeah. Nobody could save that except Nightcrawler, right? Nightcrawler was the saving grace of that one. Oh gosh, no! Not even they were hoping it was going to be Kelsey Grammer's Beast, but which was phenomenal casting, by the way. Yeah, it was just impressed. One of those unfortunate. Why did it have to be for this one? Why couldn't they do this for something else? Yeah, because I did not like the young Beast in the first class movies. I I I did, but I didn't. I didn't like that yeah. they made him a Hulk that he could just beast out whenever he wants. It's like, look, no, Beast is either Beast or he's not Beast. It's this right. is it. You guys are too, doing too much artistic license on that. Right. <laughs> yeah, because they kept it real with X3. Beast was Beast the whole time. We didn't mm-hmm. need to see Kelsey Grammer. We wanted Beast and we got Beast. So, you know, Fox, the, 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 I'm not saying I'm happy Disney bought Fox, but the X Men franchise for the 20 years has been around has just been so hit and miss you know so i'm really glad that that didn't set the foundation for what we know to be superhero movies today but because of the fact that they were so consistent with it we Mm -hmm. got deadpool you know yeah Yeah. and so heather like you said without deadpool we probably wouldn't have the boys Um, we may not even have no, we'd have Daredevil. Daredevil came up before Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but we'd have the Ben Affleck Daredevil as, like... The... <laughs> Let's not talk about that. If, if there's anything that should be the, the proof story that you can take something that failed miserably and do a good version of it a couple of years later with the right Absolutely. team, Daredevil's a pretty good example. Absolutely. What about Howard the Duck? <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, I'm not sure. You mean you're talking about just his inclusion in the credit sequences no, and the I'm big talking about, like scene? the movie? Yeah, the movie. <laughs> 1986. No, thanks. <laughs> that was a big. Well, I, I, I was like, are they remaking that? Because then we'll have to wait and see. But I kind of feel like this new computer animated version that they added to the Marvel universe for whatever reason 
kind of was it was just a weird callback and it was sort of was it this was supposed funny. to set us up like are we supposed to expect a movie of this now because i don't even know if i want to see I that i was never expecting a movie of howard the duck i mean guardians of the galaxy back in 2014 was such a roll of the dice no mm. one knew who they were you right. know even if you followed the annihilation storyline in marvel comics no one knew who the guardians were at least up against these major triple A listers like right. Iron Man and you know Captain, Captain and Thor Fire. and Hulk yeah. and no one knows who the heck Star Lord is and I love how they even made fun of that in the film like no one knows who you are bro <laughs> Star right. man yeah but having <laughs> Howard the Duck in there at the end was was very clever this that was the point where I felt like Marvel Studios was like we're we're in the far end of the galaxy why <laughs> not just be as left field as we humanly can you know yeah. and that led the way to the wackiness and zaniness of Thor Ragnarok and all the creepy stuff that happened in the Infinity War and Endgame movies. And it was just, yeah, we, we, we need that zaniness. Mm. We need more dice rolls like that. So after the boys ends, dude, like, and I hope it does end because a good series knows how to end and when yeah. to end. I don't know. I, I can't even imagine what new <laughs> comic book adaptation. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be anything. Like, what would y'all, in y'all opinions, what would y'all do if y'all could make your own comic book universe? What would you like to see in that? Wow. That's a loaded question, man. Um, yeah. Well, I've, I've thought about it a little bit for some of the stuff I had planned with the audio drama that Hollow Nine was producing. So I could probably throw a few of the ideas we were, we were thinking about out there. But I love taking i love taking known sort of celebrities like i wanted to pull the guys who are daft punk because none of us know who they really are but you could be anybody underneath those masks and i wanted to have them be able to manipulate sound so they imitate people's voices they you know break through walls with sound waves if they need to but you never know what's really going on are they robots under there are they aliens under there and so taking something like that that we've just accepted that mystery about them in their public persona and then playing with it in like a, in a, in a comic book universe where they could be, they could be from the future. They could be from the past. Right. They could be from another planet. They could be, you know, who knows what they are. Yeah. Stuff like that. You know, when you're creating a comic book universe, like being able to pull some stuff and make it a little bit meta so that people have that, that something to identify with or something to hold on to. Cause yeah. anyone who that's their favorite band will be like, yo, Daft Punk is in this comic book. I'm checking that out. Right. That would be I, cool. I always loved the the men in black kind of idea that the the like n not just that the the celebrities are aliens but like <laughs> that they have like s different powers so like you could have and there probably already is this and I just don't know about it you could have like RuPaul be um, like the the most powerful superhero on the planet like m just like pointing her finger and turning everyone fabulous or something like that <laughs> <laughs> glitter bomb glitter bomb <laughs> exactly the entire city gets glitter bombed oh man <laughs> and then suddenly peace is on earth because right. Paul does glitter bombed you yeah. all we need save us Rue <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, if I bring the dark side, we never explore the light. <laughs> People <laughs> a party all over the planet. That's it. I, I, I think if I had to do a, a universe or something like that, I don't know. I mean, with, I mean, at least with a property that already exists, I think a fun one would be exploring the universe of the Incredibles a little bit more. <laughs> like, we get this Fantastic Four type family. We get Frozone and we get their enemies and that's about it. But we, it's a world full of superheroes all over the world. Yeah. And we get such a tiny glance at this bigger universe in those two films. And I would love to kind of, you know, take like a deeper dive. Like who were the first masked vigilantes in, in, in that universe? You know, mm. like who inspired the Incredibles to be the Incredibles? You know, like having superpowers is one thing. Being a superhero with those powers is, is a choice. So what inspired them to choose to to live the life that they led before they, you know, got married and had kids and stuff like that? You know, like Watchmen takes that deep dive. We get to see, you know, Hooded Justice and the Minutemen and all this stuff. It skips the era of the Watchmen because we have that in the comic. We have that in the, you know, the, the 2009 Zack Snyder movie. So we don't need to view that, but it goes way back, you know, and we see the origins of, superheroism you know in mm. the world and i love that i'd love to see that with the incredibles because i 
don't trust Disney with a lot of stuff. <laughs> but since Disney Plus came out, since The Mandalorian came out, and if I, if I may be bold, since The Last Jedi, Star Wars, came out, uh, <laughs> I have been impressed with them. Not because I've liked everything they put out, but because they're willing to put out stuff that might piss off a fan or two. Mm. Right? It's the risk. It's the risk. And just like Guardians of the Galaxy, man, we need more risk. So I would want to see something risky like that, I think. Yeah. Me. Oh, go ahead. Oh, my bad. Uh, me. Have y'all ever heard of the show Heroes back in the day? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. It was I was the first like, attempt at stuff like this, really. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I would like that for the universe, like something like that, because it was realistic. It still had fancy powers, and mm. so and Siler was a beast. You gotta admit that. Siler was first season. Siler was amazing because he was so undefined. He was that sort of just creeping threat. Once they started to not know what to do with him, it was sort of like, okay, oh. this is the beginning of the end. You're a good guy now. Oh, that's that's just adorable. You know what I mean? It's just like, come on, guys. Season one Heroes was pretty awesome until the end. The end, I thought, was a little, yeah. well, if this is what you guys are going to do to us every season, I'm getting off the train early. <laughs> I'm going to go find a different train. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Did you guys check out Heroes Reborn? No, uh, I... I still meant to see it. So what I, was it like? I wanted to. Oh, I, I didn't see it. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that looks so interesting. Never saw it. You know, it just kind of went over my head. And yeah. before I knew it, I'm involved in everything else. So well, Especially because the horned room glasses guy was coming back. Noah, the horned room glasses. Like, yeah. That was like from the Lost Era, too, you know? So it was sort of like that was when modern TV was still finding its footing. So it's kind of interesting. It's it's pre MCU modern television because definitely right. if heroes came out post MCU, it would be the boys or it would be, you know what I mean? It would be something closer to that or the HBO Watchmen. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting how we have all these sort of milestones that we can look at and say, oh, man, that had so much merit. But from today's standpoint, it's just like, oh, that was kindergarten. Here we are in college now. Everything's right. much shinier and costs a lot more and requires big teams of animators and virtual cameras. It's it's a crazy different time. It's almost unfair sometimes to compare the stuff that came out 20 years ago to what we're, what we're consuming now. But since mm-hmm. time is a path, it's all connected anyway. I don't know. Well, we get really deep. That's an interesting point. When I was a kid, and I'm older than you guys, we had the Incredible Hulk on TV. We had mm-hmm. Spider-Man on TV uh, weekly. We had Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And we also had a show that I absolutely loved called The Greatest American Hero. Yes, I met William Cott two years yeah. ago. <laughs> oh, it was so amazing. And it was my favorite show on TV. And this was, for anyone that hasn't seen it, about a superhero that gets his powers and has no idea what to do with them. So it's basically like the first half hour of Shazam mm-hmm. as a TV right. show. And I mean, like he, he gets these powers and doesn't get the guidebook, doesn't get the instruction manual. So has to figure this out um, on his own with his trusty friends. But the, the whole idea is like, he's a good person. He's a naturally ethically good person. And if you're given powers, even if you don't know what they do, uh, you you just what do you do like what makes you that superhero you're mm. you're gonna try to help people even if it's gonna make if it's gonna hurt you so oh, I, as, a, as a kid that was like the perfect show to watch yeah and it was before the era of the anti-hero had come and gone you know what i mean i think having had shows like breaking bad hit such a, a popular stride around the same time that the comic book worlds were becoming popular, we have a lot more allowance to explore like the villain side of a story or Mm -hmm. to consider a villain as the hero. It's just such a different paradigm. I think back then, if you were a hero, it automatically made you good too. You know what I mean? Like uh, there was a certain element of when you were watching a TV show, you knew the hero character was just automatically good. Mm -hmm. And now we have people who have powers stronger than the hero character and they're bad. And sometimes we're supposed to follow them and cheer for them being bad. Or, I mean, like, I think of something like Hancock, where you have somebody who's just, like, yeah. like breaking stuff and drinking all the time. And at the same time, there's a huge mythology attached to his character. And you're kind of like, 
So back in the day, someone who had that much uh, attached to them, that much weight on their shoulders, they would never allow themselves to become an alcoholic. And here it's like, we got to start there because that's the only way to keep this, keep this interesting. dance interesting, you know? Yeah. And, but even with Hancock, the, the whole point is he's so powerful that he's still considered good because he knows and everyone else knows that he could just kill everybody mm-hmm. if he made that choice. But every day he chooses not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's really interesting. That sort of fear, when that's acknowledged, that can create very, very dangerous circumstances. That's basically the premise of Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Where, one character, just one, who just happened to be Bruce Wayne, saw that Superman could, you know, not that he would, but that he could hurt, kill, destroy a planet probably if he wanted to. And he set out to murder him, you know? And so it is really interesting when you have characters that are super, super strong, uh, especially like like Superman. You know, the cool thing was, was that he is the quintessential heroic, altruistic, all-American hero. And Mm. in this version, he was practically villainized, you know? But all external to him. I I actually argue a lot that I feel like the Henry Cavill Superman gets such an unfair shake in this quasi-trilogy of films that we have. Maybe a more complete version once the Snyder Cut. You know, in that second movie, he didn't do do enough personal PR to kind of combat the everything that was being thrown at him but it was all based on these other people assuming like oh he's got the ability he's gonna turn on it someday it's like well maybe he's only gonna turn because people like you are saying stuff like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. he's also exhibited quite a bit of humanity you know so let's treat let's let's get to the person side of this before we start yeah i think it has to do with the lex Luthor notebook stuff where they discovered the black kryptonite and what it does to him and how it can Mm -hmm. turn him and that's why there's the black super suit and and all of that so now is that going to be restored in some of the snipes i was just going to say i think so so. yeah that was definitely uh an original part of of you know, of Snacks and Zider, uh, Snack Zider, Zack Snyder, Snack Zider, <laughs> yeah. That's all we got was a Snack Zider out of this. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the the whole uh, story. And all throughout the comics, Superman keeps getting easily turned bad. There's the black kryptonite and the red kryptonite and the blue kryptonite and everything. It's so easy to flip Superman into a bad <laughs> version of himself that he may have his own moral compass, but if he can be turned so quickly, then... You, you can't trust him. Mm. And that's pretty mm-hmm. incredible that, you know, that it, that it really is that easy because he's so strong. And that's kind of frightening, you know? And it, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, the Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, 1986, where, you know, a, a lot of that Batman versus Superman-ness heavily influenced the movie Batman versus Superman. They fought and almost killed each other for next to nothing. Like, nothing was largely at risk except Superman worked for the government, said, Batman, stop fighting, otherwise we're going to have to fight. And that was it. And they pummeled the crap out of each other. Mm. Bruce almost killed Clark. And so it's like when you know someone and love someone for that long, because Bruce and Clark are tight, they're the world's finest. When, When you know and love someone for that long, even if you're the exact opposite, Bruce and Clark to me are just like yin and yang in the DC Mm. universe. You know, you can fight it out and you could duke it out and I guess not have much of a reason to because I still I, I still read Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns and I still just don't understand why they felt the need to absolutely just almost kill each other. But well, it's supposed in- to be an analog for the Cold War. Oh, so, is it? I, I, I think so. That. Yeah. So, I mean, these two uh, groups need each other to be stronger but they have to keep an eye on each other all the time because they're like one is powerful because it's really powerful. And the other one is powerful because it's just wealthy. It's, it's also, I mean, I don't want to go deep into this by any means. I just want to mention it because it bears mentioning since we're bringing up cold war, there's a lot that went into the philosophical thinking behind our world wars and a lot of European philosophy about the concept of the superman the idea that humanity at some point will produce like 
an evolutionary specimen that will be what Superman is supposed to kind of, I guess, represent. And I remember being in college hearing that all the time, like they would mention the Ubermensch or the Superman or the idea that humanity will evolve. And I was like, and yet we took that concept and turned it into a guy we slap on a lunchbox and on T-shirts and have toys of. And it's this is a much more digestible idea of that concept that it comes down from the heavens. It comes from another place. It's not us you know but it looks like us and it talks like us and it thinks like us we hope we think so there's there's something to that whereas the batman is our ingenuity and you know he's a guy who has no powers but can sit at the table with other people with powers because his power is wealth that's his superpower i have the money to be able to build this stuff so he's capitalism he's the industrial Mm. revolution i could totally see it i've never looked at it like this before but that is super interesting yeah (laughs) i've never looked at that either yeah that's fantastic. I think the next time, because I, I just watched BVS maybe last week in hopes that I would like it more because that's, <laughs> that's the only reason I ever watch it, you know, but um, I kind of hope the ending is different this time for some right? reason. I'm just going to Mandela affect me to a different <laughs> version of this now. <laughs> right. And they just did such a good job with the the Crisis on Infinite Earths adaptation in the oh, Arrowverse yeah. that yes. I, I'm just like, please, DCEU, please be better. And post-Justice League, Aquaman was great. Mm-hmm. Shazam was great. Wonder Woman. Wonder, Wonder Woman, that came before Justice League, but that was That's the start of something. Really good. That was really good. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be great. So, and, you know, everything else was wrong. <laughs> but I have hopes for the DCEU now, the, the Snyder Cut aside. Like, I think DCU, EU is, is headed in the right direction. And Marvel's, you, you, bro, you were talking about superhero fatigue. I don't have that in general, but I do have that with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, yeah. Like, after 11 years, Endgame <laughs> was it for me. Endgame was the ultimate cinematic movie experience. My head exploded. My brains are still at the theater. I came home. I, I, I It's not there anymore. Yeah. I, I refuse to, to watch Far From Home. It's free right now on streaming. I could, I, it's the only one I haven't watched to complete Phase 3. And I'm like, don't care. And I don't care about yeah, Phase Yeah, it's so <laughs> anymore i saw far from home i i enjoyed it i heard well, it was great i'm just like it oh, was huh? but had i not watched it i would have been so good man because endgame was just so satisfying you know and i'm not interested in phase four i'm just gonna throw it out there black nope, Widow, the eternals I, I i don't care maybe dr strange too but otherwise i don't that's really it. care that's all I'm so for. this is really a, a an opportune time i think for dc who spent the past four or five years getting their film wrong they can mm. get it right now. And if they're prepared they do... for your hopes to be dashed. I was well, just gonna do that. I don't know, man. Marvel had their chance. Marvel had eleven good years. Eleven straight good years. I I just want to see DC just have five. Half of that. Just five movies of just great just you know, five years of great movies. Cause we're dealing with A listers. You know, Batman and Superman are the quintessential heroes. You know, yeah. the, ju- the the Avengers were a response to the Justice League. You know, yeah. Thanos was a response to Darkseid. So we're dealing with classic iconic characters and you don't want to screw them up and they've already screwed them up. So they got like one shot of redemption. And I think this is it because okay. Marvel's not going to pump anything out spectacular. Black Widow's not going to be spectacular. The Eternals is not going to be spectacular. Chang- uh, Shang-Chi is not going to be spectacular. So if that's their competition, DC could totally decimate them. Mm-hmm. They could. I don't know if they will. And it'll be interesting to see somebody pull off building a universe in half the films. I I think it's possible. We have franchises that people have felt passionate about the universe that the franchise takes place in that didn't span 11 years and 23 films. Star Wars has a lot of properties, but not 23 films. (laughs) It's interesting that they were being praised for doing this but that they took so long and that it required so much to do this i think dc is doing well with tv and they should extremely and they should be happy with their tv stuff and marvel's got movies and right and like marvel isn't as good with the tv they haven't cracked that yet Mm -hmm. so I mean, maybe they should wait until Disney buys everybody and then (laughs) they'll just fix it all. Right. Then we'll have, you know, Superman and Captain America and, you know, crossing over in the next movie or something crazy like that. Now, I will say this about 
about Marvel is that their their TV game stepped up amazingly as of the Defenders. Heather, you you said that you didn't really want to watch. I did watch a little bit of the Defenders, the combined show. The combined, yeah. But I still wasn't feeling it. I I will say this. Out of all of those shows, because Daredevil is the one. I'm just going to say that Daredevil is the one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, incredible stuff. Watching Jessica Jones season one again recently, I will say that Jessica Jones is better than Daredevil. Wow. I will, that's a bold, and it's just mm-hmm. by a tiny little bit, but I will say that I personally like Jessica Jones just that much more than Daredevil season one because both of those shows do a phenomenal thing. We get a backstory on the hero, mm-hmm. and we get a backstory on the villain. And we understand and feel both of their pains. And we kind of root for both of them. And the pains that I think Jessica Jones and the Purple Man, his villain, her villain, suffer outweighs that of the Kingpin and Matt Murdock. And then Luke Cage spins off of that. And then Iron Fist. So I I would personally recommend Jessica Jones. I don't know about all three seasons, but I would definitely recommend season one. Yeah, I you know I'm just annoyed by the actress that they cast. Like, <laughs> oh, I just, Kristen Ritter, you don't like yeah, her? Yeah, no, she's just annoying. She, <laughs> like Jessica Jones is not a likable hero at all, and that's probably why they picked her because she can she just exudes just like annoyance. You know, mm. she's a hyper introvert. She hates everyone, hard drinking, just. But it's kind of sad because she's also extremely relatable. Yeah, yeah. Matt uh, Murdock puts on. Yeah, I mean, oh. relatable to guys, but to Uh-oh. girls, it's like, <laughs> like. Well, she is very boyish. Yeah, she's well, extremely. No, I mean, so I'm, I'm pretty boyish too. But the thing is, she's just the kind of person that you just don't want to be around. And watching a show about that as the central character, I don't want to waste my time with that. I don't want to waste one of my 15 hours a week. But that's the door. I feel like that's the door that the Watchmen opened. It's like, all right, let's see the flawed heroes. Let's watch the characters that aren't automatically pinnacles because they have superpowers. It's like, all right, it would be like if you woke up tomorrow with superpowers, but all of your baggage and all of the stuff that you deal with all the time is still there and doesn't magically disappear. You know, one day I am going to just use my mental powers to get everybody to leave me alone for a couple hours. You know what I mean? Everyone just freeze the world. I need to play video games and be uninterrupted. Please. Thank you. (laughs) At least The Watchmen is an ensemble show and it's not... (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah, I'll give you that. And it's absolutely phenomenal. And honestly, I think that the 2009 movie, which took certain liberties from the comics, but I think that was a masterpiece. I loved it. Not so much. I mean, the enough changed in that movie that you didn't read the comic, but just watched that movie and then watch the Watchmen TV show. You would miss so much. So, I, I do think that was a masterful movie that put Zack Snyder on the radar for me. And then I went, I went back and watched 300. I was like, oh, okay, this is that guy. So, I am excited for the Snyder cut. And Dawn I'm of the Dead, this. too. I, I thought the yeah. Dawn of the Dead remake he, he did kind of... It wasn't it bad. Was, it, was, it opened my, my theory on the post-9-11 zombie films. After 9-11, zombies ran fast, man. Nothing was a slow <laughs> creep of death. Like, you could get a plane flying to your building tomorrow. The zombies are running now. And once he did that, I was like, oh, okay. And then he did 300. I was like, you know what? He probably could do a cool superhero universe and I, I i will always say i thought man of steel was great i was really excited after man of steel mm-hmm. and uh, the first 10 minutes of batman superman <laughs> we'll see what his cut on justice league if it redeems all the things that, that were set up in bvs you know yeah well. so since we talked about the, all the steps to the boys and how it had a dark history how about we uh, pick this up next week absolutely Sounds good. good. I'll have watched some of it by then, I promise. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, so y'all have a safe week, and I'll get back with y'all. All right. right. It's been fun. Take care. Yes, take care. Be super, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Like and subscribe to hear our next episodes about the latest news in movies, comics and all things geek.